Today on the podcast, we're talking about the judgment of a judge and about how to decide when a judge should retire from the bench. Should it be left entirely up to that judge? Stay tuned. Hello, you're listening to On the Merits, the weekly podcast from Bloomberg Law and Bloomberg Government. I'm your host, David Schultz. Pauline Newman has a lifetime appointment as a judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit, and she just turned 96 years old, though she says she's never really been big on birthdays. I really have never really believed in birthdays, and now I'm trying to pretend that I'm not having any. (laughs) That is an excerpt from an exclusive interview that Bloomberg Law conducted with Judge Newman. We'll hear clips from that interview throughout this podcast. At 96, that makes Newman the oldest active judge in any U.S. federal court who hasn't taken senior status. And these aren't just any cases that she hears, but the complex, high-stakes cases that the federal circuit hears. On March 24th, the circuit's chief judge, Kimberly Moore, took the nearly unprecedented step of filing a formal complaint against Newman, saying the nonagenarian is no longer physically and mentally fit to be a judge. Here's an excerpt from the complaint Moore filed under the Judicial Conduct and Disability Act, a law regarding a federal judge's fitness for duty passed during the Carter administration. Quote, Judges and staff have reported extensive delays in the processing and resolution of cases. Concerns have also been raised that Judge Newman may suffer from impairment of cognitive abilities, i.e. attention, focus, confusion, and memory, that render Judge Newman unable to function effectively in discharging case-related and administrative duties, unquote. Newman says basically this is all baloney, and she's in fact being pressured to step down to, quote, just go quietly. That's what I was told. Just go quietly. Just go quietly or we'll make your life miserable. That was exactly the way it was presented to me. It's also clear that Judge Newman is now motivated and eager to get her side of the story out. She recognizes that she may be losing in the court of public opinion. It has occurred to me as all of this, you know, bad-mouthing about me uh, has been going on that I I should not have restrained, restricted, because you all as well, Bloomberg, asked a while ago, and you know, when I talk to the lawyers, they say don't talk to the press. And uh, after a while, I thought that I'm losing the public battle. So I try and speak just as plainly as I can about what I think and what's going on. All federal judges at the trial courts and the appellate level have lifetime appointments. They can be impeached, but given how unlikely this is, generally the only person who can remove a judge is the judge themselves. It's also very common for this process to go, shall we say, not smoothly as the judge gets on in years. Remember all the speculation about now former Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer? You will announce plans to retire. Am I wrong? I'm only going to say that I'm not going to go beyond what I previously said. And that was nothing compared to what happened with his former colleague, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The speculation on whether she should retire got so intense that Saturday Night Live did a whole thing on it. So you have no plans to leave the Supreme Court? Colin, Mm -hmm. the bench is now my porch. I'm going to sit on it all day and scream, no, get out of my yard. But even in those extremely high-profile cases, it's really exceptional to have a judge's colleagues file a formal complaint against them. 
Bloomberg Law reporter Kelsey Griffiths sat down with Newman in her chambers in Washington and spoke with her for nearly an hour about this extraordinary dispute. Newman says she's been trying to understand why Moore and her colleagues want her to step down. In trying to understand why it is that all of my colleagues, without exception, want me to quit, why that should be. And so I've been reading all of the pundits who have theories, the theory, for instance, that the chief judge wants to clear a space for another appointment, presidential appointment. Newman says if they're trying to force her off the bench because she won't join the court's majority opinions, then her frequent dissents are even more important. It, it may sound ponderous, but I think the nation needs my voice. I think that if the judges on this court are willing and more than willing to push me out in order to get me out of the way so that no one says that they've made a mistake, that I need to be here to countermand that. I think now this court has turned into one of the most important in the nation. And she says that because patent cases, especially complicated, high-techs, high-stakes patent cases, are the federal circuit's bread and butter. Moore's complaint alleges that Newman started declining after suffering a heart attack in 2021, but Newman says this never happened. Because the problem, you see, Judge Moore apparently told everyone that I had a heart attack and that I was hospitalized and that I had two stents and that I fainted in the courthouse. And all of that was absolutely false. However, she's also refusing to provide medical records, arguing it's impossible to prove a negative. If I haven't had a heart attack, how could my medical records show what didn't happen? Now, Newman has been around a long time. She was appointed to this court by Ronald Reagan all the way back in 1984. Here's a clip from her in 1992 when she was the MC at an event dedicating a new federal judiciary building. I present the Chief Justice of the United States. Thank you. Thank you, Judge Newman. And yes, that man she was introducing was a very youthful-looking William Rehnquist. So Pauline Newman has been a fixture in the federal judiciary for decades and decades. When she does retire, there's a full pension and a legacy of having served for almost 40 years. But she's just not ready to retire yet. What will I do now? I don't want to be a litigator. I don't want to be a mediator. I'd rather decide rather than mediate, as many judges do. If I had a family by that time, I would have had, who knows, great-grandchildren, I suppose. But I didn't take that path. I don't know why, but I didn't. And I think when you are not intellectually capable of doing the job, one should have the sense to step down. And I think it's important to be objective about one's capability. To say Newman has led an interesting life would be an understatement. She's been a pilot. Well, it wasn't my plane. I belong to a flying club. She's raced cars. Well, it didn't go that fast. You know, it was a four-cylinder. And as she told her alumni magazine for an article back in 2013, Newman saw during World War II that women could and did do so-called men's jobs. And nobody stopped to say you can't do this because you're a woman. So it got pretty much uh, in my system 
to thinking, well, I can do it. And I really have nothing to complain about. She wanted to be a doctor, but no medical school would accept her, so she got a chemistry PhD instead. She earned enough money at her first job to quit and buy a one-way ocean liner ticket to Paris, where she lived for six months mixing drinks. When the money ran out, she came back to the States and was offered a job she said no respectable scientist would take, writing patents. But she accepted, and as they say, the rest is history. Newman realized she actually enjoyed working on patents, then went to law school at NYU, and then, many decades later, got appointed to the most important patent court in the land. Newman is taking Moore's claims head-on here and saying she's still fit to be a judge because she believes she's not cognitively impaired in any way. So I've been paying attention, particularly when Judge Moore told all of our colleagues that, that I was totally incompetent intellectually. And as to where that came from, it's hard to tell. But I don't see any diminution in my intellectual ability to do the work of the court. And since I don't see it, I mean, I could, I could quit any day on a, on a day's notice. And I certainly would. However, aging can affect a person in a way that is imperceptible to that person, but very perceptible to those around them. Kelsey spoke about this with Stacy Wood, a psychology professor at Scripps College, who frequently serves as an expert witness in cases involving the elderly. It is possible for older adults, uh, any adult, to, to lack insight into especially subtle cognitive change. And older adults as a group, there is some evidence that they tend to be perhaps a little overconfident in their abilities in some domains. So I do see a lot of clients who kind of deny that there's any, any difficulty, even in the face of fairly um, blatant functional deficits, like their electricity and, and water have been turned off because they haven't paid their bill. At first glance, it would seem like Newman is undeniably slowing down. Over the past two years, the average federal circuit judge has authored 51 majority opinions, and got those opinions out in 60 days. Newman has penned fewer than 10 and has taken, on average, 199 days to get them out. But Newman says that's misleading. They, they count the majority opinions. And of course, if I'm writing a dissent in a case, then I don't write a majority opinion, so they ignore it and say, well, she's only written half as many. During the past couple years, Newman wrote nearly two dozen concurring or dissenting opinions. And there are other signs that she's just fine. The audio clips you're hearing in this podcast were recorded during an hour-long interview just a few weeks ago with no aides present. Judge Newman answered every question. Another of Moore's complaints is that Newman can't or won't adapt to new procedures at the court. That led to an allegation related to Newman's treatment of a member of the court's IT staff. We asked Newman about it, if there was any truth to the allegations. No. The, the things that have been said are the most extraordinary fabrications and exaggerations, uh, as, as I can imagine. But if this is just about adapting to the court's new procedures, Wood says not to jump to the conclusion that when an older person is facing challenges at work, that person must be cognitively impaired. You know, when, when you work with older people, one of the um, basic principles that you bring to your cases is accommodation. Let, let's say one of my, my clients, um, they can't use their remote. They have a new TV and they, they can't figure it out. 
So, um, you know, the solution isn't to say, well, I guess, you, you know, you can't watch TV anymore, or I guess you're not able to, to do this task, but to try to um, simplify it or build on the strengths they do have. Sometimes things like um, the ability to use technology come down to sensory issues, right? The vision isn't as good. Maybe the hearing isn't as good. The person's ability to engage with those devices may be more limited, even just based on sensory changes. If Judge Newman is being unfairly pushed out of her seat, and we should say here that we invited Chief Judge Moore onto this podcast and that she declined, the Newman isn't the only victim in this. While Moore's complaint is being adjudicated, by whom you might ask, we'll get to that in a second, the court isn't assigning Newman any new cases, which means the federal circuit will move even slower. Aliza Schatzman is an attorney and the president of the Legal Accountability Project, a group she founded to advocate for protections for judicial branch employees. Schatzman herself testified to the House Judiciary Committee about being harassed and retaliated against by a former D.C. Superior Court judge. Aliza told Kelsey that she has been enthralled with the Judge Newman story because it's so rare for these kinds of disputes to play out in public. But it's funny because I usually uh, criticize judiciary proceedings as, you know, judges not being willing to discipline their colleagues and therefore investigatory processes should be taken out of the judiciary's chain of command. Cases are typically transferred to another circuit because there's too much leniency, because it's perceived that judges are not willing to discipline their colleagues, not for the opposite, which is what Judge Newman is alleging, that her colleagues will be too harsh because they know her, because they are her colleagues. The complaint against Judge Newman is being heard by a special investigatory panel made up of federal circuit court judges, one of whom is Chief Judge Moore herself. Meanwhile, Newman is suing in federal district court, asking to be able to do her job. So what happened was that I was immediately removed from hearing uh, appeals. And what we uh, hope to ask from the district court is to point out the constitutionality of the appointment and that until it's resolved through the procedures that the penalty shouldn't be invoked. Meanwhile, the case against Newman has taken somewhat of a strange turn. Last month, the panel led by Judge Moore said it can't determine whether Newman is disabled or not without Newman's cooperation. However, now the investigatory panel is looking into whether her refusal to cooperate constitutes judicial misconduct, which could ultimately lead it to recommend to the House of Representatives that Newman be impeached. One final note. Despite the challenges of her current situation, Judge Newman is not without appreciation for the life she has lived. As she told us, I've had a full life. I've had a, a good life, a, a, an interesting life doing what uh, I wanted to do. Today's episode of On the Merits was produced by Kelsey Griffiths and me, David Schultz. Reporting for this episode was by Kelsey Griffiths. This episode was edited by our executive producer, Josh Block. Thanks for listening and see you next week. I felt like I was in jail every day when I was going to work. I'm like, I got to get out of here. My executive order calls on the FTC to ban or limit non-compete agreements. Let workers choose who they want to work for. This season on Uncommon Law, we're exploring one of the most expansive Federal Trade Commission proposals in modern history, a nationwide ban 
on non-compete clauses. Non-compete clauses can really restrict competition. They can be coercive, they can be exploitative. We'll talk to workers who were desperate to take new jobs in their industry, only to be blocked by threat of a lawsuit. I remember getting served my cease and desist and thinking that this can't be right, this can't be fair, how can she get away with this? And we'll talk to the business owners who say they depend on these clauses to keep their companies afloat. I think like with anything else, when you enter into an agreement, there are rules. And you decide if you want to participate in that or not. I just believe that there should be some protections for small businesses like myself that are already in a very competitive industry. Plus, does the FTC under chair Lena Khan even have the power to pass this rule? Look, Congress gave the FTC the authority to check unfair methods of competition. There is no limit to what Khan thinks she may be able to achieve if she can label it an unfair method of competition. Lena Khan is not coming out of nowhere. It really is the natural progression of the insights that we have about how harmful non-competes are on our markets. Join us as we explore the far-reaching implications of this proposal and the likely court battle that could shape the future of the American workforce. That's this season on Uncommon Law from Bloomberg Industry Group.